Welcome to episode 61 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week our guest is Jenny. She served in the avionics propulsion, which means maintenance and working on aircraft engines. She worked on the B-1 and the F-16 while she was in the Air Force. We talked a lot about the Air Force culture and what she experienced in her time in the military. She has left the military and is now a military spouse, a mom, and she is going to school to become a veterinarian. I really enjoyed getting to talk to Jenny and talk about what her experience was like to work on aircraft engines and what that part of the military is like. Even though I was in the Air Force, I wasn't part of the flying community. I worked the mission support group, which does all the support functions for the Air Force, but not so much the military aircraft side of things. So the closest thing I got to the runway was to help build the runway and maintain it a little bit. Anyways, I'm really glad that Jenny got to shed a little light about the flying side of the Air Force and what it's like to be in the maintenance career field, and I'm excited for you to listen, so let's dive right in. You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Welcome to another episode of Women of the Military. This week, our guest is Jenny, and she served in the Air Force for six years in the aerospace propulsion. She decided not to re-enlist in early 2019, and she is currently working towards her degree, is married to someone in the Air Force, and they have one child. Thank you for being on the show today, Jenny. I'm excited to hear your story. Why did you decide to join the military? I wish I could say that it was because I was very proud and, you know, the whole spiel you end up hearing in basic. But honestly, I was 20 years old. I didn't have money for college. I, you know, I found out from a recruiter that the military, if you served a contract, would give you money for school. I figured I could learn a new career field. And then if that wasn't for me, go to school for what I really wanted to do. And the fact that I, I did get to do something, I guess, honorable was just an an added win for me. And so you ended up in the career field of aerospace propulsion. How did you end up in that career field? I went in open mechanical and that was just the luck of the draw. Aerospace propulsion is just a really fancy way of saying I work on aircraft engines. So any, any part that in that engine along with the secondary power systems was what I, I did. Were you on one specific type of aircraft or did it switch? I was on B1s for about four and a half years, and then I got orders to Nellis and was working the F-16 up until I got out this past March. Interesting. Did you have a preference on which airplane you liked more? I liked working the F-16 airframe better. It's not a legacy bird. You can actually get part for that instead of having a can bird to your can bird. <laughs> In terms of like work atmosphere, I prefer the cold, only strip down so much in the heat. And one thing I wasn't expecting is your tools get hot. I'd rather deal with cold tools. Airframe wise, definitely F-16. People wise, I like being a civilian. You were in the maintenance career field overall, right? For the Air Force? Yes. And were there a lot of women in the career field with you? No. Uh, When I first came in, I was back shop. 
uh, Ellsworth Air Force Base. There were two other females in my shop. One was the flight chief. The other was another senior airman. Wasn't too bad. When I went flight line, there were a few more females on the line out there. However, when I deployed with the 37th AMU, I was the only engine troop, female engine troop. Flight line tends to break you up into uh, trucks. So I was on the Spec 2 truck, which consisted of microfield engines, hydraulics, and E&E, which is electrical environmental. So they do all the tubing and air stuff. I don't fully know. Never paid attention. But I was on the Spec 2 truck. So there was another female in E&E, but we were it for that deployment. And where did you deploy to? Qatar the first time with 37th. And then it was Guam the second time with the 34th. And you guys were supporting the aircraft to make sure that they could meet the mission requirements? Is that what you guys were doing? Yes. Uh, your maintenance teams deploy with the birds, just like the pilot. Oh, I didn't know that. So wherever the pilots and the airplanes, that makes sense. But where the pilots and the airplanes go, that's where you guys go. And it could be anywhere around the world. B1s maintain uh, usually Qatar. I was the first ro- B1 rotation out to Guam. Global Strike Command had switched out the B-52s, which would technically usually go to Guam to hold that theater. They switched us out. So the B-52s did a few rotations in Qatar, and then the B-1s came down to Guam. Interesting. Besides being one of the only females, did you face any other challenges while you were deployed? The first one, yes. I ended up having appendicitis and had to get that out. And then uh, once I came back to work, I ended up having uh, slipping with a cowling door at work and blew out my knee. But I had to get sent home early for that one. Second deployment was pretty smooth sailing other than coworkers. Just having not the best coworkers. He wasn't my supervisor, but he was a staff sergeant. He decided that it would be a fantastic idea to make up sexual rumors about me. Even though I was deployed with my now husband, we were dating at the time. So that was a fun one to deal with. Yeah, that's never fun or good. I'm sorry that you had to face that. That's horrible. So you mentioned your husband and that you guys were dating on your deployment to Guam. How did you guys meet? So we actually met when I, we were both in honor guard at the time. So Ellsworth in that time would do an honor guard rotation where you would do the two weeks of training and then you make the team and then it would pretty much be on call for different details. So we were in the same honor guard training class and then we did details together. We were just friends. I was married to somebody else. Never, ever crossed that boundary. He was always, you know, just just another guy I worked with on the line and another guy in honor guard. No biggie. It wasn't until after I got divorced after my first deployment that we started becoming just really close friends, like somebody that I would turn to uh, when work was stressful and I needed to vent about it. You know, somebody to help me work on my car because I had a junker at the time. <laughs> And then it just, you know, after I'd been on my own for a while, it it turned into something more. Thankfully, we kept our relationship like we were dating for an entire year. And then we found out we were deploying to Guam because we were in the same unit. He was a different shift and he was a crew chief, different shop as well. So it all came out of the woodwork when we deployed. But, you know, we got married shortly after that deployment. So there's nothing anybody could really say because he wasn't my supervisor. We weren't same shop. Weren't same shift. Were you you guys were dating, but it was kind of on the down low until you guys deployed. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. When my husband and I started dating, we were in 
the ROTC program. He was like an upperclassman. I was a lower classman and we didn't tell anyone for a long time. I didn't see the point. And I liked the fact that we were able to get to know each other outside of work without all that work drama spilling into our relationship. I feel like it set a really nice foundation for us. Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, for ROTC, it was just college stuff, but it it made it a lot. It was better that we got to know each other outside of that area. And it just would be more so if it was your everyday job. So that makes a lot of sense. So you guys got married and then what happened? You guys PCS and how did that happen? So we got married at that time. I had orders to Korea and he had gotten his retraining approved. He left for his tech school, got his follow on base, which was Nellis. So we applied for a joint spouse and the Air Force decided to cancel my Korea orders and sent me to Nellis with him. And it worked out very nicely. <laughs> so he cross-trained out of maintenance and what job did he switch over to? Unit training manager. So he's the one that would issue CDCs, keep track of all your ancillary training, your green dot stuff, a lot of paperwork and a lot of extra programs. But was there a reason that he decided to leave the maintenance career field, especially with you guys both being in it? He had made that decision that he was going to cross-train or not re-enlist long before I met him. And it was pretty much like, I love you. I think that getting married is going to work and that long term, you know, we're going to last forever. However, there are a few things, you know, you need to know. And him either reenlisting, choosing not to reenlist or retraining was like that. That was an ultimatum for him. We're either I'm on board and I support it or we're just never going to work. That's an important. I like that he like talked about it up front and that it was what he was going to do so that it wasn't something that caught you off guard after you were married. So you transitioned to Nellis and you started working on the F-16s. And what happened between when you PCS and then you transitioned out? I made staff and my retraining window popped open. So I applied for unit training manager, chaplain assistant. And honestly, I don't remember the third one, but there was a third one on there. I had gotten approved for UTM retraining. However, part of that that requirement in order to submit your package was an interview with the functional. The way that particular functional acted versus what they wrote down um, for her for their uh, recommendation were two different things. So I had to. I ended up pulling my package and resubmitting because when I submitted the first time, it was only unit training manager. It was the only job I had on there. And then I pulled my package to resubmit with the other two choices. And I was under the impression that when you resubmit a package, you need another recommendation. So I had seen the interim functional because I guess the original one wasn't available. And I had gotten approval recommendation from the interim functional, but I had a non-recommendation from the primary and the grounds that the primary functional had listed was that I didn't pay attention to small details. And there were a few other insults from them. I ended up, I thought it was, she was full of crap. I worked on multi-billion dollar aircraft. I was engine run certified so I could run these motors. I inspected them with the boroscope and clearly trusted with multi-billion dollar aircraft. I do inspections that have minimal leeway or the plane can crash, but I, she, she thought I, I wasn't good at small detail, even though none of that was in the CFT, CFETP. It's like the little guide for requirements for this career field. 
So I filed an IG complaint on the grounds of bias and racism, and nothing came of it because it didn't go to a high enough level. And at that point, I was pregnant. And I just decided that, you know, it's not worth pushing for a congressional at this point. Karma will catch up to that person at the end. And in hindsight, it was the right decision because I'm much happier now being home with my kid, working towards what I want to do with the rest of my life. I know the maintenance. I don't know a lot about the maintenance career field, but I know that you have to work a lot. So was that the main reason both for you and your husband? Like, what about the maintenance career field made you both want to cross train out of it? The culture. The culture. I have no problems with the work. You know, I I enjoyed troubleshooting. I liked learning the airframe and our squaring parts is I love working with my hands. So that was a huge appeal of the maintenance crew field in general. The problem was the culture. You know, you you could be coming out of both ends and they don't care. You're We have jets that need to get launched. It's 12-hour shifts because they want to do inspections on jets that, on, that fly on Monday, even though you have to mid-shift coming in on Sunday night has to redo those inspections. And the main problem that I had here is when I transitioned from bomber maintenance to fighter maintenance, fighter, at least the fighters I worked at Nellis, this, the shift changed. So if the jets had to go up at noon, day shift would come in two hours before, which would be 10 a.m. But if the jets launched at 8 a.m. the next day, you're, there's no, no, what's the word I'm looking for? Regularity. There's no stable shift. And I think that changed now after an IG complaint. But at the time, I was like, this is already something I don't like doing. What's the point in sticking around when if I go to another base, it's going to be this. It could be the same. Yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like they were focusing more on the mission and not on the people, which is something that I know the Air Force is struggling with right now. And so that that's I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised that that's the way it was. Which makes it not a place that you want to stay because you don't feel like you're taken care of because they're just pushing you to get the work done and not caring about you as a person. And now a word from our sponsor. Is your family going to be okay financially if you die? Hey there, I'm Melissa Skirt, Coast Guard Spouse and Experienced Insurance Agent. As the owner of Insure the Heroes Incorporated, an independent term life insurance brokerage, I help military families past and present, as well as the general public, put together life insurance plans that fit their needs and budget. Military spouses provide financial value to their families, even if they're not working. I encourage them to consider what their service member would do if they died. Securing the right amount of life insurance is how you can protect your home front should you pass away prematurely. The SGLA is rarely enough to cover your family's long-term financial needs. Also, when you transition out of the military into the civilian world, life insurance shopping will be on your to-do list. Ideally, you want to lock in coverage well beforehand. Remember, life insurance isn't for you. It's for the ones you leave behind. So head on over to my website at insuretheheroes.com for a no-obligation quote or to book a complimentary call. If you prefer, you can dial me directly at 844-514-LIFE. Thanks, Melissa. Let's get back to the show. It's get the work done. If you make one mistake, it will follow you pretty much the rest of your career, especially if you never PCS from that base, like crew chiefs at Ellsworth. They they can go there or dice. So if you make a, a bad enough mistake, it's going to come up and never go away. And it's just from what I've seen in maintenance, they pick their favorite. And if you're not in the good old boys club, you don't stand a chance for promotion, like good EPR rating now that the, that promotion system has changed. Right. That's really unfortunate. But 
I'm glad that you decided that you got to do your six years and that you enjoyed the technical aspect of your job. And you met your husband and now you have your daughter and you transitioned out and you're using your GI Bill right now, right? Yes. So what was the transition like? Was your daughter born when you were still on active duty or did that happen? Yes, Yes. she was born um, in October. I came off my maternity leave in January and separated in March. So what were the last two months? Were you mainly out processing or were you still like working on the flight line? No. So thankfully, um, I was breastfeeding. So even if I chose to stay in and go back out, stay in that crew field, they would not send me back out to the line because you can't work around aircraft nasties. So they would have left me in debrief, which is where I was the last, well, the majority of my pregnancy, I was in debrief. But as soon as, you know, I told my supervisors like, hey, I'm pregnant, uh, they pulled me off the line. So does that have a negative impact on your career field if you are in maintenance and you want to stay in the Air Force? and you get pregnant, you have to get pulled off the line. Would that have a negative impact or is that just normal practice? It's normal practice. When when you come to a new base and you're female or even when you go through tech school, you have to sign a fetal protection waiver that pretty much says, if I think I might be pregnant or I am pregnant, I have to notify leadership and the military because it's not safe to work flight line or back shops or test cell while pregnant. So I don't think there on paper, there's any um, consequences from getting pregnant. I mean, you're you're having a child. That's not a punishment. That is, I think it's a blessing. I would say that there is, I guess, a little bit of animosity that can happen within your shop, depending on your rank and what kind of maintainer your coworkers think of you, like think you are. But as in terms of career impact, I don't think there's any. It's just that animosity. That's good to hear. I mean, the animosity, not so much, but the not having an impact on your career, because like you said, it's a blessing to have a baby and you need to protect the baby. So it's good that the Air Force is working to make sure that is done. So what was your transition like out of the military? You went from being in, you became a mom right before you got out. And then now you've transitioned. And did you start going to school right away or when did you start going to school? I started school in June, so I gave myself some time to really sit down and think about, you know, well, this is what I want to do with my life. How do I get there with a minimal impact to my marriage and and my child? So once I, you know, got a game plan, I figured it out, uh, sat down with my husband and be like, I think we should do this. I, that's what I want to do. You know, that's, and then I started my program. And are you doing it online or in person? Um, I got into Penn Foster's veterinary technician program. Oh, that's cool. Because I know before we started the interview, you were talking about how you're getting ready to move in a couple of weeks. And so I was wondering how that would affect. But if you're online, you can keep getting your degree and working through it, right? I can get through the coursework. I the end of my second semester and my fourth semester, I have pretty much clinicals. They call it an externship. So I will have to fly back to the States and find a veterinarian that is willing to take on students and to sign off essentially like my tasks for that and then submit it into the school. But other than that, everything else is online and kind of at my own pace. I've got you know, stipulations from the VA. So I have to have like an assignment submitted every 30 days. But other than that, I, I have a year to complete each semester. It's still at my pace. So it's like, oh, like I have this interview today. So I, it's not a big deal that, you know, I have life happening because I can still get schoolwork done. 
That sounds like a great program and having the flexibility to stretch it out and to make it not have to be done super fast and at your own pace. I like that. So is there anything else from your military time that you wanted to talk about or that I missed? I think we covered everything. I'm glad I served, but I'm really glad it's over. (laughs) I can understand that. Sometimes it's just nice. And you've transitioned from being active duty to being a military spouse. Have you found any interesting situations that's come about that in the last year since you left? I think the most awkward is when uh, my husband and I went to a baseball game and they're like, oh, if you're a veteran, please stand. And everyone just kind of looked at me weird because my husband was the one in uniform. And I, yeah, old people are not always the nicest, I guess. It was really awkward because I was like, nope, I I serve. Not currently. Yeah, they look at you like, doesn't she know that only veterans are supposed to stand? It's like, I know I'm... It's awkward when I go to his work functions now because they think I'm just a spouse and that they have that assumption that all I do is sit at home with a kid all day. And it's like, well, you're not wrong. There's a lot more to that story. (laughs) Like I go to school, my get out of home thing is I dog walk um, some of my neighbor's dogs plus my own. It's like, I don't just sit at home. I I have goals and dreams. I think so. A lot of the stereotypes that people think about military spouses are, I don't know, maybe from back then or maybe they were wrong then too. I don't know. But I feel like there's a lot of things people don't understand about military spouses. And a lot of military spouses are veterans and that's not it's not uncommon to find them. They're just, you can't, they're kind of invisible. So people don't know. I think it comes from the few that cause issues and drama that make it so much harder for just any military spouse, male or female. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So my last question would be, what would you tell young women who are considering joining the military? My best advice would be to sit down and be honest with yourself and decide, you know, do I ever want kids? And if I do, what are some career fields that I think would be very conducive to that? Working 12 hours on a flight line where your shifts can change. While not impossible to be a mom, if you are a single mom or you're mill to mill, especially, that's a lot of instability that you need to kind of decide, is this something I even want to deal with? My second thing would be make sure that Kenneth's career field take you places on the outside. So if you choose to stay five, five to 12 years, can I roll this into a DOD job and be making close to what I am making and still put money away for retirement? And if you choose to stay for 20, you know, what can I, what's that next step after? That is the one thing I really didn't take the time. I was like, I didn't think about retirement. I didn't think about job satisfaction. And I certainly didn't think about how having a kid would affect, you know, day-to-day life when you report into work every day. Yeah, well, it's not something that when you're 18 or 20 that you're really thinking about because you're just thinking about like joining the military and what's right in front of you. So that's really good advice to think about the long term and where you want to be in the future. And if you do have children someday, how the job that you pick will affect your work-life balance and just your overall happiness. So that's really good advice. 
Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've really enjoyed getting to hear a little bit more about your experience. And I'm glad that we were finally were able to get this interview in. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military. Women of the Military.